Welcome to the URM Journey to Academic Medicine podcast, also known as the URM Jam, brought to you by the Society of Teachers of Family Medicine. On this podcast, we will address the real and perceived barriers faced by historically underrepresented in medicine students and residents who are considering a career in academic family medicine. We'll provide practical tips and personal advice on topics like leadership, scholarly activity, CVs, mentorship, and more. I'm Dr. Omari Hodge. And I'm Dr. Tochi Iroku Maliz. And this is URM Jam. Hello, everyone. Today we have Dr. Judy Washington. She's the Associate CMO of Atlantic Medical Group and the Women's Health Coordinator for Overlook Family Medicine. Her areas of focus at AMG include using data to identify and address disparities in patient outcomes and the number of underrepresented minority physicians in clinical care, academics, and leadership. Dr. Washington received her Bachelor of Science degree from the University of Montevallo in Montevallo, Alabama, and her medical degree from the Meharry Medical College in Nashville, Tennessee. She completed her residency in family medicine at Mountainside Family Medicine in Verona, New Jersey. Dr. Washington has been involved in graduate and medical student education since 1996, when she joined the East Tennessee State James Quillen School of Medicine faculty as an assistant professor and residency program faculty at the Chattanooga Family Medicine Residency Program. Before joining Overlook Family Medicine, Dr. Washington was the medical director of student health services at the New Jersey Institute of Technology. Through her work with the Society of Teachers of Family Medicine Foundation, she is committed to increasing the number of URM underrepresented in medicine family medicine residents and faculty, and mentoring the next generation of family medicine educators. And in addition to this, she is one of the faculty members for the STFM Leadership Through Scholarship Fellowship. Welcome, Dr. Washington. Oh, thank you. Great to be here. And I have the pleasure of introducing Edgar Figueroa, who is Associate Professor of Family Medicine and Clinical Medicine at Weill Cornell Medical College in New York City where he's also Director of Student Health. Dr. Figueroa is an active STFM member where he's held a number of leadership positions, most recently serving as chair of the Underrepresented in Medicine Initiative Oversight Committee. Dr. Figueroa, welcome to the program. Thank you for inviting me to be on. It's a pleasure to be with you all. All right, great. So we've got the bios aside and now we're about to get to the nitty gritties. So I'd like for each of you to tell us briefly about your journey into academic medicine. As, as you heard, I actually was in private practice, tiny little town on the eastern shore of Maryland, and got recruited to join the faculty at East Tennessee State. They were opening a new program in Chattanooga, Tennessee, of all places. I stayed there for six years and then journeyed back to New Jersey to be part of Rutgers Health System. But it, at then it was UMDNJ, and I was clerkship director for a while, and then kind of made my way back to graduate medical education uh, through a journey, but always I'm thankful that that journey kept me within STFM so I could keep my academic roots. And so, and also keep my network of great colleagues to keep me grounded in academic medicine. So here I am now at Overlook and Atlantic Medical Group. That's awesome. How about you, Dr. Figueroa? We'd like to hear your, your path as well. Um, so I, I, I joke and say that it's the typical Gen X URM success story. I'm a lifelong New Yorker, grew up in the South Bronx. Uh, Very happy New York in the house. Yay. <laughs> yes, we are. <laughs> attended New York City public schools. I grew up in a single parent, low-income household. 
yeah. was good with science and math. And I had a lot of teachers serving as mentors and sponsors and coaches looking out for me. Ultimately, when it came time for college, I wasn't quite ready to leave the nest. I stayed in New York City, went to NYU. I was surrounded by a lot of pre-meds. And so I said, I'm pre-med too. Why not? <laughs> um, uh, had the fortune of attending Cornell Medical School, uh, did residency at Columbia, uh, where I also did a faculty development fellowship and got a master's degree in public health. And I was set on a primary care research track, but uh, life got in the way and there was some stuff that kind of uh, put me on pause and I had to get a job really quick. And so I, so I need to find something I could do for a year or two. Uh, and I pivoted to campus health for a mix of patient care and administration. And two years has turned into 16. And I know you briefly did campus health and did it love it, Dr. Hodge. It, it ended up working out okay for me. Um, the challenge is in my current role, I'm at a school that doesn't have a family medicine department. So I have to kind of go outside to get fed and get that that side of things nourished. And and so I build my family med community outside and sort of that's how my path with, with Judy kind of crossed. Thank you. Thanks so much for sharing that information. And you and I need to talk afterwards about that lack of family medicine department at your site, because I know it all too well. So here we go. <laughs> the next question here for both of you. And now this time I will start with Dr. Figueroa since you were second at the first one. Can you explain to the audience what exactly the STFM URM Oversight Committee is? Who are the members and what's the function and output? So you can start and then pass it over to Dr. Washington if you so choose. So I'll just say that the URM initiative or the underrepresented medicine initiative is I, I, I give Judy, uh, Dr. Washington, all the credit in the world. This is this is her baby and her brainchild. And I was sort of asked to come in uh, to work with this, uh, to implement the vision uh, with the oversight committee um, while trying to go away on vacation. And, and she didn't let me say no um, <laughs> in, in the summer of 2019. So the oversight committee is an interprofessional committee. It's made up of uh, individuals in charge of the various work groups that are part of the initiative. So leadership, scholarship, mentorship, and uh, pipeline. And it's also made up with individuals that aren't involved in those tasks, um, in, in those uh, committees. Uh, with other expertise, for example, someone who works with a mentoring program, uh, uh, someone with expertise at the AAMC, with uh, expertise at the AAFP, along with lots of incredible uh, staff support from STFM and our project manager and the one who keeps it all running together, who you had on a few weeks ago is uh, Emily Walter. So together, mm -hmm. she and I kind of try to herd these cats and, and keep the work moving forward. Uh, perhaps Judy can talk a little bit about uh, how we, we got to doing that, because this was summer, August 2019 was when I was asked to to kind of come on board. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I had to think back. I was called by Deborah Taylor, then president of the STFM Foundation, and then uh, asked to lead uh, the fundraising initiative, which was the URM campaign. Um, it was a really big campaign. The goal was to raise $150,000 over two years. And all of a sudden, I became uh, the fundraising voice for the SDFM Foundation. And also during that time of doing the URM initiative, we actually hit and exceeded <laughs> So yeah. let me just give some props right now. Yes, that is absolutely <laughs> excellent. amazing. Excellent. Yeah. Do the snaps. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So please continue. Yeah, and then later on, we'll need to talk about how you did that so we can 
uh, mimic that at our own institutions. But go ahead. <laughs> yeah, it's really the generosity of people like Jeanette Southpaw, uh, mm. who you know gave the seed money, thirty thousand dollars. It was mm. matched by the foundation. Wow. But the generosity mm. of the STFM community. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, our, our colleagues just gave and we were really fortunate. And then at the end of the campaign, it was really, I think it was Jeanette Southall who said, this should be more than just handing out scholarships and bringing people to meetings. And so I started to think, and with the brilliance of the STFM, Stacey Brongard and everyone there, I came to Kansas City and within 48 hours, uh, this whole initiative uh, was done. We had a representative from the AAFP, Daniel Jones, and we just put together these four buckets that we really thought were really important. And then the next step was who's going to lead this initiative, because it became not now a foundation initiative but an SDFM board uh, initiative. And so I reached out to Edgar and I go back a long way. (laughs) And I really needed someone who I really knew could help drive this in an an evidence-based way and to pull together people uh, to do this work. And so after really nudging him a lot, Edgar said yes. And it it really started to to all come together with the help of the the STFM community, the board, um, and the support of everyone. Yeah, I, I tried to say no. Well, I, I didn't say yes right away. I, I think it was, it's a mix of things, right? Sort of the, oh, I don't know if I really want to do this. I don't know if I yeah. can do it. The usual, yeah. you know, negative voices that kind of outweigh the positive. But also, I think it was also very practical. This wasn't necessarily my area of, of expertise or even long-term academic interest. And, and those of us who've been doing work in this space for a long time know that if you do something well, um, then you kind of get pigeonholed and, and could get cornered. So I said, yes, but yes, but it will be time limited. Yes, mm-hmm. but, you know, there's a start and an end date. And 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 that worked. And so August uh, 2019, we started started this by uh, the fall of, of 2019. We assembled the identified the work group leaders. They identified their teams. And then in February 24th, 2020, we sat around a conference table in Kansas City, kind of vision boarded and, and, and came up with everything. And three weeks later, the world shut down and we somehow kept it going. The last time we were the, after February 24, 2020, the first time we were all in the same room in person again was on May 3rd, 2022 at the STFM conference in Indianapolis. So uh, everyone just kind of felt strongly about this in spite of everything going on in the world at the time with the murder of George Floyd and the civil unrest and the pandemic. People were still committed to to do the work and and showed up and we we made it work through through Zoom. I had to to let you know how successful it was. I had people who I hadn't even spoken to about this initiative stopping me and say, wait, this is what you guys were doing. I know about you, you know, because they they were in Indianapolis and they saw, you know, the poster board and all the work that had been put in. So many kudos, many kudos. Um, yeah, I think the goal was to, along with Dr. Southpaw, like more than just scholarships, because SDFM has always been really good at funding people to come to meetings. We wanted to come up with like tangible, concrete things 
So the podcast that we're on right now, and thank you both for the great job you've been doing hosting. It's been a lot of fun listening to the episodes. There's a leadership course uh, that's available for free. You know, that's Mm. one of the good F words. There (laughs) are webinars that are recorded for scholarship and and just all the things that uh, Emily talked about a few weeks ago in the STFM resources episode. That's great. Let uh, Let me pitch another question to you guys while we have you. Obviously, this podcast is one of the many strategies that URM uses to increase interest in academic medicine. Can you tell us which of these podcasts that we've done so far resonated with you the most? I know we've done quite a few and I don't I don't uh, imagine that you've had time to listen to all of them, but I don't know if any of them stuck out with you and you imagined it would be exactly as it sounded or better or worse. What are your thoughts? You know, I listened to the one with Dr. Southpaw which was excellent about her journey. And it was great because, you know, it, it so resonated with me. She's always been one of my really heroes in, in mm. family medicine, but her journey, but also just a great mentor, someone who you can just call anytime. And it was so genuine because we know we can reach out to her anytime and she will give us minutes. (laughs) I I am going to say, I'm going to echo that to say that I sent her a text the the minute um, that we were assigned to do this podcast. Mm -hmm. I sent her a text, will you be, will you uh, be interviewed? And she immediately responded, yes. Didn't even know the date. (laughs) So I agree with you on that one. She's, she's really a, uh, someone who um, is willing to step forth and do the work uh, to help promote this cause. So yeah, yeah, I agree with you a hundred percent. I'm I'm two episodes behind, but you know, so mostly caught up. And and truth is, I've seen aspects of my journey in pretty much all of the episodes. Mm-hmm. And yes, they're standouts. So I, I wrote them down, uh, like mm-hmm. Doctor uh, Episode Three with Doctor Critchlow. Episode episode four with Dr. Southpaw, episode Mm. six, where you both started that discussion on the minority tax. Then episode 14 with uh, uh, both our partner in crime, Dr. Rodriguez on on scholarship. I mean, (laughs) this is all stuff that, you know, these are the pearls we've picked up along the way. And, And so now we're like dropping this insider knowledge and sharing it at scale, right? So that that one person at the one institution who didn't know, well, now, now you can know because mm. here's at least one place. Is it a double blind trial? No. Is it in a scholarly journal? No. But when you're getting started, you kind of don't need that, right? You just need to hear some pearls and, and some wisdom and, and some encouragement. And, and I think, I know, I hope that that's what this uh, particular deliverable or, or, or you know, podcast is, is giving listeners. You know, as you were talking, I heard you say something that made me think about one of our episodes, specifically when we were talking about the minority tax situation. And you you laid out that when you were thinking about taking on this role, you considered a a hard start and stop, which I thought was brilliant because it really ensures that you don't get typecasted, but you allow yourself freedom, degrees of freedom to pivot to other things if you so choose. So I I, I certainly appreciate that. I mean, I think it's a way to protect against pigeonholing or career stagnation, potentially, right? I I mean, the academy, speaking broadly of academic medicine, doesn't necessarily reward work in this area the same way it would as opposed to me discovering uh, that a medication didn't work. <laughs> and and I, I would argue they're equally important. But so so I, I think it's just a way to protect career development. Also burnout. And and frankly, uh, for some organizations, once they have someone doing something, box checked, problem solved, 
And my willingness to participate in, in something is not the long-term solution to your organization's problems. Mm. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Mm. I like That's that. Great. I like that. So I've got a question now for both of you. Um, is there any topic that you would like to see addressed in the future that uh, we didn't get to? I would love to know, and I'm not sure if there's a way STFM staff can either do a little survey or web form in the show notes for the episode, or maybe you've gotten anything through the podcast email address. I'd love to hear from uh, some early, you know, some trainees, maybe uh, like students, uh, advanced students or, or, or residents that are active in family medicine or other organizations, like what, what do they want to hear? Because ultimately mm -hmm. we can kind of sit around and think about our journey, but you know, we've been, some of us have been playing this game, you know, 20 plus 30 years and like the world has changed dramatically. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I would just love to kind of get a little bit of check-in uh, from, from the, the audience to let us know how are we doing? Are we hitting the mark? Are we way off? Are we like, putting stuff out there that kind of needs to be updated for the TikTok era. But I mean, I think all the topics have, have been on point. And then again, I see aspects of my journey across both undergraduate and graduate medical education, some concrete skills like feedback and developing, you know, interactive sessions. It's all good stuff. And, and I just hope we could hear maybe from people who've listened. I, I'm told the email address is urmjampodcast at gmail.com. Be um, you know, drop a line. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that, Edgar. You know, as I talk to my residents and I, I'm training, you know, they have different ideas about family medicine. But also, you know, the other thing is to to hear from some of our allies at institutions and to see what commitments they have toward um, really supporting um, URM faculty. Uh, sometimes what we find is that URM faculty will get, you know, a position like at STFM on the board uh, and committee uh, leadership, but yet they're not really supported, I think, in the same way that some of our, our white colleagues are when they get these positions. And I'd really like to, to have a discussion around that, like, how can we really promote them to do leadership when they're not supported? at their home institutions, because that's really the next step for them. You know, to, to alleviate that minority tax means that you get a little time, some breathing time to do this kind of work on a, on a national level, which you need to be promoted. Yes, totally, totally agree with that. Yes, because if you don't have a supportive institution, basically what it is is that those who are in this leadership position, we fought to have the time. Sometimes <laughs> we were lucky and we had people who were mentors or you know, people are supervisors or, or, or people that were above us who supported it because, they, you know, either they really believed in it or they really didn't care if you went. So that's fine. Go. Uh, but then you have those who are in leadership positions who have to really fight or sneak or use their paid time off mm -hmm. to do this work. And the yes. work benefits the organization that they come from. So, uh, yeah, how do, that, that, that is an interesting uh, discussion. And you're yeah. saying to have the discussion with those who are in charge. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know what? It's it, this. You know, the allies should be listening to this podcast as well, right? I mean, this this isn't sure. just for the trainees, and just if you have a little extra melanin or other pigment in your skin, right? I mean, that this we, everyone in across the 
all jobs in academic medicine can benefit from listening to to the conversations that have happened over these last, you know, 16 plus episodes. You know, adding to what you're saying, as I'm, as I'm hearing you speak, I'm thinking that a lot of times the uh, decision makers who are in position to allow these budding leaders the time and the resources that they need to take this to the next level, they think that just creating the position was all that was needed in their mind, in their mind, they're doing exceedingly above and beyond yes. what's necessary. Yes. So helping them see that through a different lens is a significant task, you know, Correct. and a skill set that many of us haven't had to deal with because we, mm-hmm. we get it. And so trying to help other people get it, that can be difficult. That can be very difficult how to formulate an SBAR or whatever you need within your institution that speaks in a way that helps them understand, okay, there's more that there's more that needs to be addressed. We've so just break started. it down and tell them what the SBAR is. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> so, so I'll say situation, situation background, right? Yes. What's, yes. The, what's the action? Yes. That, what, what, and the, and the recommendation? <laughs> yeah. About, what's, what's your recommendation? Yes. What would you like me to do about it? Yes. So. Yes. yes. That's a great point. So I shouldn't assume that everybody understands it. But yeah, that's wonderful. Okay. Well, um, if you can indulge me with one last question for the both of you, I'd like you guys to tell us what are three take home messages you'd like to leave with your audience? What do you want them to remember when they think about your name and what they heard from you today? I'll, I'll start and perhaps Judy can, can follow and bonus, right? And you get to leave six take home messages. So I thought hard about these. And uh, again, I'm not always the most eloquent speaker. I'll, I'll admit I'm, I'm more of a behind the scenes guy. So being invited to this again, thank you for the invitation. And, and it's been a privilege. Uh, one, find your people. Uh, many times we are the quote unquote, the only and that magnifying glass is pretty high power. It leaves us prone to stress and burnout, particularly if you if you can find professional groups. I mean, you're going to have your people, right? Your 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 family or your chosen family, but at least professionally, uh, get involved with your uh, professional organizations. And getting involved may be simply lurking on the website or message board to start. It, eventually, you'll find and make connections with people and groups of like-minded interest. Uh, so I work solo practice, but I don't feel alone in family medicine because I have my STFM family and I have, I have Judy on, on speed dial. Uh, number two, um, be curious. Um, I think episode 10, uh, it was with Emily talking a, a lot about the STFM resources. Be curious, look into them, use them. And uh, better yet, give us suggestions on how to improve on them. You can reach out to the organization and uh, let them know what works, what doesn't, what needs to be updated. But when you give that feedback, be constructive in the feedback, um, but, but definitely be curious and, and, and go looking. And then the last one, uh, which you know I try to be very cognizant of these days, is to show up and say yes, but it's okay to do so strategically. Mm. Um, do the things that interest you and that you're passionate about. Uh, recognizing sometimes there's other work that needs to get done and you might be tapped to do something that's part of a bigger picture or addressing a bigger problem. Saying yes, but putting a time limit on the on the commitment helps protect against pigeonholing and, and can help things brush, both for the, the task at hand, right? Bringing in new ideas, but also for yourself so that you're, quote unquote, stuck doing something you, you don't love anymore, but they you, you can't let go of it. Um, so yes, I'll do this, but two years I'm out. Or you'll tap into a up and coming young faculty member to, to do this. 
Yeah, I, I guess that shows that Edgar and I spent way too much time together in STFM <laughs> with our collaborative work. But yeah, you know, it's so funny. I, I got a chance to think about this. And really, for me, it was always, you know, I spent so much time being alone that once I got to STFM, it was really about looking back and seeing who I could bring with me. Uh, and so uh, I, I never forget, I think it was uh, David Henderson who said, you know, look around this room. Uh, we're, we're all like the same age and we need to bring younger people in. And so that was over 10 years ago. And just really making sure that we kept looking back and bringing the next generation with us. And so always just tapping that new talent uh, and in STFM, there's so much. And also seeing who can replace you, which was really, I think, very helpful for me, is to always see that person who can take your place. Because you, you know, it's not about you staying in a position, as Edgar said, for the long haul, 10, 20 years. It's about who can, who can take your place and you're going to help them do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also not being af- afraid. Um, you know, we've been really bold the last few years with what we, you know, through our scholarship, uh, you know, stretching ourselves and putting ourselves out there in a scholarly way, taking a problem and making it a scholarly product. And I've been very fortunate within STFM to have great people, Edgar Vigoroa, Kendall Campbell, Jose Rodriguez, you know, and the list goes on and on. But right now we're doing the leadership through a scholarship fellowship. And, you know, that was just uh, taking a chance, you know, saying, I think we need to do this. But now all of a sudden we have ABFM funding and it's just really stretching yourself to see, you know, and some nights, some nights you're tired. And I do a lot of yoga, <laughs> a lot of <laughs> to reinvigorate. So, but yeah, it's just like saying yes, because ultimately I think everything that's been said on the podcast is that ultimately you're looking uh, back, but you're looking forward to the next generation. And that's what's so important. That's that's great. Um, Some serious pearls. Thank yep, you. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Six, six, six. That's awesome. So thank you both so much for mm-hmm. joining us today and for allowing the listeners a chance to hear from those who came up with the broader picture of how to bring underrepresented in medicine into that journey of academic medicine. So we Thank you for allowing us to hear your story and to hear your pearls of wisdom. Once again, you guys are really to be commended. I was talking to one of my um, colleagues the other day and we looked at the list of where the podcast has been heard so far. And Mm -hmm. I mean, from Japan, Australia, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just amazing the reach that this has happened and to speak with the people who were who developed this. That's just wonderful. So we really appreciate it. Awesome. Well, again, thank you for the energy you bring to it every week. We really appreciate it. This is great. I mean, I think this is what we intended, that we would just have an army of people doing this work and also being recognized for what they were doing. And not just one person or two people, but, you know, when you look at the names of the people involved, it's it's an army now. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Until next time. Take care. We hope you've been enjoying this podcast series. Please consider filling out a two-minute survey to help us serve you better. 
go to www.stfm.org slash urmjam to complete the survey and enter a raffle for a $25 Starbucks gift card. This raffle offer is good until September 29th, 2022. You've been listening to the URM Journey to Academic Medicine podcast, brought to you by the Society of Teachers of Family Medicine. You can find more episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and most other podcast providers, as well as on our website at stfm.org slash urmjam. Follow us on Twitter at stfm underscore fm. 